We are in a series, a Robert Moore series called Dreams and Visions or Dreams to Destiny. And, uh, you know, we covered a couple of things. We covered the pride test, uh, the, you know, when um, Joseph is all based on the life of Joseph, when Joseph was, uh, had uh, been given the dreams by God and how he went to his brothers and almost flaunted that in front of them, that he had the coat, they didn't. He had the dreams, they didn't. And uh, then we uh, talked about the pit test, how he reacted when he was thrown into the pit. Uh, we talked about the palace test, the purity test, uh, when he was confronted and uh, tempted by Potiphar's wife. And uh, today uh, we're talking about the power uh, test. And this is when you were moved from one position to another position, when, when God exalts you or raises you up. And so... Uh, um, uh, keep in mind, I think Exit, or Genesis chapter uh, 40 says that Joseph was 17 years old when he was uh, sold into prison or sold into slavery. And uh, today we find that uh, 13 years later, uh, he was thrown in prison and he gets uh, out of prison, goes into Pharaoh's court. So 13 years have gone by. And all of these trials, we talk about this testing that we go through, that God has a purpose, he has a call. He has uh, given each of us dreams, and he has the destiny or a purpose for our life. And we go through the character-building test, uh, you know, as God shapes us and molds us. And so 13 years later, we see that uh, Joseph has gone through the testing period, the trial period, and uh, we'll read the story and find that uh, he shows up in, in Pharaoh's court. Let's pick it up. Uh, verse 1, it says that when two full years had passed, uh, Pharaoh had a dream. Remember last week we talked about the two men, the cupbearer and the, um, I think the butler or the baker. The baker uh, both had dreams. They were in prison and Joseph interprets those dreams. And remember one of the things that he says to the, um, to the cupbearer, he says, remember me, remember me. When you get back in front of Pharaoh, remember me. But it said two full years had passed. Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when, uh, when out of the river there came up seven uh, cows, sleek and fat. They grazed among the reeds, and after them seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the seven cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. And Pharaoh woke up, and then he fell asleep again. And he had a second dream. Notice he's awake, and then he goes back to sleep, and he has a second dream. And in the second dream, he says, seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. Seven. Verse seven, by the way. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. And Pharaoh awoke, or woke up. It had been a dream, and in the morning his mind was troubled, and so he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. This is almost like reading the book of Daniel. The same thing happens to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he has a dream, and he calls for all the wise men, the enchanters, and no one can interpret the dream for him. And Pharaoh told him his dream, but no one could inter interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today, this two years later, I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me. 
and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant from the captain of the guard, and we told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. You know, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. This is exactly a fulfillment of that scripture. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. And this is what's happening to Joseph now. It says that... uh, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Now think about this. You know, last night, Joseph was in prison. The next morning, he wakes up in prison. And in a moment, in a moment, Joseph goes from being in the prison to the palace. And that next night, he spends the night in the palace, and the rest of his days are spent there with Pharaoh. I believe that when God does something, he can do something suddenly in our lives. Suddenly, in a moment, promotion can come. And, you know, you may feel like Joseph. You may feel like you've been in the pit. You may feel like you've been in prison for a while. But suddenly, God can turn that around and raise you to a place where he exalts you to a place of position, fulfilling uh, your dream. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that well, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, notice what Joseph says. I cannot do it. Can you imagine at the moment those words came out of his heart or out of his mouth what Pharaoh's heart was doing? I mean, just like Joseph saying, I can't do it. I can't do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. And I, Pharaoh must be thinking, why did I bring you? Why are you here? But instantly, notice what Joseph does. You know, I mean, it tells me that his heart is right. He's not taking credit for this. He's given all glory and all honor to God. But he goes on to say, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. And after them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and ugly and lean. I'd never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean and ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they had ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as they had before. And then I woke up, and in my dream I saw seven heads of grain, full of good, growing, full and good, growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, scorched by the east wind. And the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. And I told this to the magicians, or the magicians, and none could explain it to me. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And the seven good cows are seven years. The seven good uh, heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. And the seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. And it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God, notice that, big G, 
God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance of the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason that the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take the fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food that these good years that are that these good years that are coming up to they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming up and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food shall be held for the reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, and Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit of God, or who is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, There is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all the people that are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. He had him ride in chariots as a second in command. And the men shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or a foot in all of Egypt. And Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephaneth-Paneah and gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potipharia, priest of On, to be his wife. So Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt Joseph was 30 years old when he entered into the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Man, what an incredible story. I mean, from the prison to the palace. I mean, just boom, just like this. I mean, God's making a way for this young man. And I want to just tell you that I believe that God is making a way from some of you. At this very moment, at this very hour, that God is raising some of you up and placing you in positions. We're going to talk about, you know, power in our life and, you know, how it can affect us. You know, there are a lot of people that can, uh, you know, we talked about the prison test. There are a lot of people that can, you know, successfully get through the prison test. There are a lot of people that can get through the pit test. But there are a lot of people that cannot uh, handle uh, being successful. It just kind of like goes to their head. I was talking to Bob in Twilight. He told me the story, um, you know, some time ago, but I was reminded of it last night about a man in their parking lot. He was the parking lot attendant. He directed cars and uh, at this church that they had attended. And uh, they were saying that, you know, he became like the parking lot, like uh, uh, the Nazi. You know, like if you parked crooked, got one tire outside of the line, you know, he was like on your case, breathing fire down your neck. And, you know, it's all of this power, all of this authority had gone to his head. And, you know, they, you know, I guess someone had gone to him and, and said, dude, you got to calm down, you know, get a grip. You know, we, we're not trying to drive people away from the church. We're trying to bring them into the church. And uh, all of a sudden he thought about it. 
Uh, he came back to his senses. They said that, you know, next couple of weeks, he started bringing a dog with him. He had a family dog, a pet. The kids loved the dog. He'd greet people in the parking lot. They'd pet the dog, and he was kind, and, you know, it just made a, a whole world of difference. But sometimes when we get put in positions of power and authority, it goes to our head, and uh, we become rude. We become, you know, uh, you know, just boisterous. It's like, you know, I'm in control. I did this. It's all me. And uh, we start looking at ourselves, and it's just like pride is an ugly thing when it goes to our head. So I want us to just look at a couple of points in this. Uh, number one, um, where does, well, let me just, let, let me just back up. Uh, Richard and I were talking about this this week as well. You know, I mean, what would you have done? I mean, day one, you're in charge. You were second in command of Egypt. Now, you know what I thought about? I mean, that's why God didn't put me second in command of Egypt. But I thought about, I want to see Potiphar and his wife. I want to see that woman that lied against me and accused me of rape. I want them right here in front of me. And while you're bringing them, I want you to send a garrison of soldiers over to that little land called Canaan because I've got some brothers over there that sold me into slavery, and I want to see them right here in front of me too. How many of you thought about that? Was I the only one? God, forgive me. <laughs> Great sinner that I am. Well, honestly, the thought did cross my mind. But, you know, what that tells me is that Joseph is just, I mean, he's, he, he's healed. He's over it. He is over that. He, you know, he's able to forgive and, and move on with life. And I'm going to tell you that, you know, if we start hanging on to things like that, people that have wronged us in the past, people that have hurt us in the past, if you start clinging to that, you know, it'll prevent you, listen to me, it will prevent you from getting to your destination. It will prevent you from fulfilling your dream that God has given you. And I think that God had to work all of that out of Joseph. All of that had to be worked out. And it was just like, okay, this is, I turned the page. I've moved on. I've forgiven my brothers. I've forgiven Potiphar and his wife. And, and I'm just ready to move on. I'm, I'm ready to move into the place that God has called me to. I'm ready to fulfill my destination. Okay? All right, number one, let's just look at this. Where does power come from? It says that in Proverbs, or excuse me, in Psalms chapter 62, it says that God has spoken once. Twice I've heard this, that power belongs to God. And then in Daniel chapter 2, verse 37, Daniel's speaking to Nebuchadnezzar after Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he says, You, O king, are the king of kings. And remember in his dream, he had a dream about four different kingdoms and Daniel said, you are, of all of these kings, of all of these earthly kings, you are the greatest. Your kingdom is the greatest of all of these kingdoms. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. Notice where that power comes from. The God of heaven has given you that power. And then, and this is probably one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible, John chapter 19 Jesus is standing before Pilate, and Pilate heard this when he heard that, uh, that he was the, the, the son of God and that he had called himself the king of the Jews. So when Pilate had heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? 
And what he's saying there is, don't you want to talk about this? Don't you, don't, don't, aren't you going to talk to me? He says, uh, and then Pilate says, don't you realize that I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And so we see that, that power, that God raises people up. He raises men and women up. And so why does that? Or who, who does God give power to? Or to whom does God give power? Well, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, it says that he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. That's us. That's talking about us. Psalm 68. It says, you are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. And then in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says that when he, speaking about Jesus, called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then in Acts chapter 1, chapter 1 verse 8, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So, number one, where does power come from? It comes from God. Number two, who does God give power to? He gives it to the weak. He gives it to his people. He gives it to his disciples. And then the final point that I want to look at this morning is uh, why does God give us power? You know, what's it about? Why does God give us this power? In Acts chapter 3, it says that when Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does it surprise you? Why do you stare at us? This is after the healing of the lame man. He says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power, our godliness, we have made this man walk? And notice what he's saying. He's just like Joseph. Just like Joseph was, you know, when Pharaoh asked him, he says, that, you know, I understand that you can interpret dreams. And he says, I can't. But God can. I'm giving the glory to God. That's exactly what Peter's doing here. This is why God gives us power. So that he can get glory, that glory comes to his name by, you know, uh, him, uh, him using us. And Peter says to him, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus. And that's what, when God gives us power and we use it the right way, it brings glory and honor to the name of God. Amen? It's about bringing glory to him. It's not about us. It's about bringing glory to his name. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And Paul is saying, he says, uh, he's speaking, he says that how God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devils. We see another reason that God gives uh, power to people. He gave power to Jesus to free them uh, from the power of the demonic. I mean, you know, God is still, you know, 2,000 years later, God is still about people. It's all about people in the eyes of God and His economy. He gives us power because He wants to help people. He sent His Son Jesus because He wants to help people. He's raised up a generation today because He still wants to help people. God is still in the people business. He's still loving and concerned and, you know, caring about people. He's concerned about, you know, those that are lost and hurting and broken today. And just think about it. On one hand, you know, God over here has all the resources. Everything is his. The Bible says that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. And then we see all of these great needs over here on the other side. Those that are poor, those that are lost, those that are broken, those that are downcast. 
And who's in between? The church is in between. And God wants to funnel what he has over here through the church to the broken and the lost and the hurting. I mean, that's the heart of God. Can we praise God for that this morning? Amen. Let's do. All right. Finally, we're coming down to the end of this. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I hear a lot of people quote the scripture, but they stop short. It says uh, in verse 18, that you will or you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And typically that's where we stop. It is God that gives us power to get wealth, but read on. It says, because or so that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God gives us power to get wealth so that he can build his kingdom, so he can establish his covenant, his covenant that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That's what God's about, sending out missionaries, getting the word of God out. I think that, you know, somehow we've been comfortable with gathering the wealth and just stopping there, and God's saying, don't stop there. I'm giving you the wealth. I'm giving you income. I'm giving you power. I'm putting you in positions and places of authority so that you can go ahead and establish the kingdom. That's what God wants us to do today. That is what the Lord wants us to do. And I believe that, you know, that as I said, I think that sometimes we stop short. We get comfortable along the way. We, don't want, we want to enjoy what God's given us. We want to bask in, in, in our wealth. And, and uh, we, uh, you know, can, we fail to uh, take the next step, and that is establishing God's kingdom. We're going to come around now to the table of the Lord. And if I can have uh, some servers, if you guys will... Um, bring the elements up. We've got a video, I think a communion video this morning, so why don't we, uh, why don't we go ahead and cut the lights and we'll take a look at this video. Not that one. Last week, uh, you know, we, uh, Nina and I, we sold our house and uh, we're in the process of rebuilding and trying to get permits and things. I, 
and one of the permits that I was uh, trying to get, the uh, uh, lady told me to take about 10 days to get that permit. And um, I was, uh, I dropped off the paperwork and about three or four hours after I dropped it off, I got a telephone call uh, from the, uh, the person that was gonna grant the permit. He says, I need you to come down. It was four hours after I dropped the permit off. And uh, he said, I have your paperwork ready. It's supposed to take 10 days. It's supposed to take 10 days, you know, instantly. I mean, just suddenly, God can open doors for you. Do you believe that? I, I, you know, guys, I just want you to be expecting. Expect good things. I mean, God is going to raise some of you up. As I said, I believe that this is a, an hour, this is a moment for promotion, that God is getting people in key positions, not for, your, not for your sake, not for your glory, you know, not so that we can be prideful. I was watching, I was looking at something on the internet uh, last night and this morning. I was actually thinking about that scripture that talks about pride coming before fall. And uh, since it's football season, uh, I went back and looked at some uh, YouTube video clips of pride coming before fall. And of course, since the Cowboys aren't in the, in the Super Bowl, I, had, I came across some good old Cowboy footage. But one of those was when uh, Leon Lett, I think they were playing Buffalo at the, in this game, the Super Bowl game. And he recovers a fumble. And he goes all the way down. He runs this thing all the way down. And he's just like, you know, just like, yeah, I got it, I got it. He's holding the ball in his right hand. And the guy comes up and smacks the ball out. And uh, it, you know, goes in the end zone. No touchdown, nothing. You know, the guy's just like, you know, pride coming before a fall. Watching another guy on a motorcycle and, you know, just in front of a group of people, and he's trying to be cool, and he's standing up on the back of it, and, you know, no hands, and all of a sudden, he flips off, and motorcycle crashes into a group of cars, and, you know, it's just things like that, that when we start, you know, exalting ourselves, the Lord does have a way of getting our attention and bringing us back down to, you know, to level, right? So, uh, I want to just encourage you that, you know, be godly. We're called, we're called to be, you know, our... Father in heaven is holy. He says, be holy like your Father in heaven is. And so I just want to encourage you that when God does put you in that place of position, you know, just ask that question, God, what do you want me to do? What do, what do I do with my authority today? Remember David over and over again, he would ask the question. He'd wake up in the morning and say, he would ask the question, Lord, who can I show kindness to today? He was in a position and a place of authority. And when you get into a place of authority and a godly place of authority, you know, God will show you who to show kindness to and show you. He'll just direct your steps into those uh, people that he wants you to make a difference in their lives. Um, you know, we talked about Joseph, we talked about him being a, uh, you know, kind of a type, and a type of Christ. Uh, the Bible talks about types and shadows. And I want you to think about it for a moment, you know, that, that Joseph was uh, in prison. He was arrested uh, and he sent, uh, and he was thrown into prison. He was a righteous man. Jesus was thrown into prison. He was a righteous man as well. He was arrested, as, uh, you know, and he was a righteous man. Joseph was arrested. He was a righteous man. Uh, Joseph was there with two prisoners. Jesus was there on the cross with two prisoners. Um, one of the prisoners said, Lord, remember me. Uh, one of the prisoners with Jesus said, Lord, remember me. One of the thieves on the cross. One of the prisoners that was with Joseph, uh, Joseph says to him, remember me. Uh, it took two years later, but he did remember him. One was remembered, and uh, 
and in, each, and in eternity, uh, the one prisoner, the one thief on the cross says, Lord, remember me. The Lord says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. It took several years for the other uh, criminal to remember Joseph, but he did remember Joseph. So there's some similarities there. But I want you to think about as we come around to the table of the Lord this morning, 